Hello, I wanted to add this intro to today's podcast because I recorded this in advance um, and currently it is Tuesday, October 10th and if you haven't heard, I don't know what rock you've been hiding under, but um, there has been a pretty terrible tragedy that's happened in Israel this, this week. Um, over a thousand innocent people were murdered in cold blood. We have almost 200 hostages in Gaza right now. Um, all the reservists are being called up um, to the army. It's, it's, it's a lot. Um, the kids are home with me. And it's funny, it's not funny, but it's ironic because of the actual topic of this podcast episode, which was finding time to work in your business as a mom. And I did use the example of having multiple children at different ages and summertime and summer vacation. And and now here I am at home with all five of my children um, who are feeling a lot of cabin fever, a lot of um, definitely stress. Um, I'm finding it very hard. I, I try to stay off of social media, but um, we just need, we want to know what's going on. And there's just a lot of horrible, horrible things that we've been seeing. So I want to just thank you to all of you who um, who have reached out to me. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. Um, I can't tell you how much it means to me because there were also, you know, my country is also facing a lot of hate right now. And so every single message, every public show of support for Israel, every um, reply to my stories, every everything, every comment, um, really, really, really makes a difference. And I want to say thank you so, so much for that because, yeah, it's, it's, you have no idea. You have no idea how, how much that means to me. So thank you, all of you. You know who you are. I have such amazing friends supporting me. Um, thankfully, our community has really, um, my community, you know, at home and, you know, in general have, have really, really stepped up to, pull together and help and send supplies to the soldiers and arrange babysitting for families who now have one of their parents away for an indefinite amount of time, um, you know, donating breast milk for the babies who, whose mothers were, were killed. Like, it's just really, it's, it's sad. It's a sad, it's a sad, it's a tragic time for us, but it is, I'm trying to find the beauty in the in the togetherness and the pulling together. And I just wanted to say um, part of that beauty is is you guys and those of you who've reached out to me. So I wanted to say thank you so, so much. Um, I'm going to run the podcast as usual. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you to all of you and appreciate you so much. And of course, let me know what you think of this episode. Let me know if it helped you at all. I would love to be able to help you find more time to work on your business um, without feeling like you're sacrificing all your time with your children. That's literally my entire goal of my business. And so that's what this episode is all about. All right, let's get started. Welcome back, my friend. Today, I want to talk all about one of the number one topics I get asked about 
on a regular basis, and that is how to actually find the time to work on your business as a busy mom and how to make the most of it once you do. I did a one-question survey on a thank you page for one of my one of my offers, one of my low-ticket offers, and the question was, what is the biggest challenge in your business as a mom? And the most common answer, like by far, I would say 60 to 70% of the answers were time. Not enough time. So what the heck do I know about this? I will tell you. I will give you the context. I grew my business the most the year that I had my baby home with me working two to four hours a day. All right. So this is coming from personal experience as a mom of five. And the year before that was the year that I made the most while working the least. Not as much as I did in 2021. But this was 2020. This was during COVID while I was pregnant and with all of my kids home. And I worked only seven months in total out of the entire year and hit made over, I think it was 110K, which was approximately the same amount of money I had made the year before, but working like five months less. So that is another piece of context for you. Another one is that I'm an Orthodox Jew, if you didn't know this already. So we have at least one holiday a month. And some months, I basically have my kids home the entire time. We have two biggies. We have right now, which is right now we're in the high holiday season in the September, October period, where we basically have three holidays within three and a half weeks. And we basically have our kids home for about a month. It's crazy. Um, and then, of course, we have Passover in April-ish. And, and that is also like kids are home. It's a very hardcore holiday. Lots of prep, lots of cooking, lots of cleaning, and lots of trying to keep people from killing each other. This is literally my entire life. There's like, I think, one or two months in the entire year that we have absolutely nothing. No holidays, no fast days, no special Jewish occasions. This is literally, I've literally had to learn to plan my year schedule around these holidays and know what to expect on any given month. And to make it a little more complicated, we work on a lunar calendar, which means it's never the same month every year. Sometimes the high holidays will be all in September. Sometimes they'll be all in October. Sometimes Passover will be towards the end of March, beginning of April, and sometimes it'll be end of April, beginning of May. So there is not any major rhyme or reason to this, and every year it changes. So every year I have to literally look at both calendars and be like, all right, what do I have here? What, what do I do? How much time do I have? How many work days do I have? What am I going to do with the kids? And have to figure that out. I don't know how to build a business without kids. I'll just put it that way. I, I don't even know what a business is like without children. I imagine potentially a lot more productive. But in a way, I don't even know if that's true. Because if you've heard the saying, if you need something done, ask a busy person. When I had my, kid, when I had my daughter home with me, I would say right now, all my kids are in school all day, including my daughter who's three. And I would say that I, I was probably more productive that year, that year, 2021, when she was home with me the entire year than I am now. Because I that whole idea that activities and tasks expand to fill the time that they're given. So I had less time to work, so I had to cram more in. I was like forced to, so to speak, but it was actually really good for me because I was able to get so much more done in so much less time. So I feel pretty qualified to share this, how to find time to work in your business as a busy mom during the holidays or any day during summer vacation or whatever, if you homeschool, although that's not something I plan on ever doing. I never say never, but I, I would say I'm pretty close to never on that. But either way, having kids home a lot, lots of vacations, kids of all different ages, I've had to learn to find the time where I can, even during times when my kids are around. So the first thing you want to think about is deciding that you will right? Deciding that you will find the time to work on your business. And I think that's really what it comes down to for so many things. Like you have to make that like actual decision to do whatever it takes to make it happen. 
all right? To do whatever it takes to make it happen and do whatever it takes to find the time. And not really whatever, okay, let's just not do whatever it takes, anything, anything, but whatever it takes within reason, um, with what works with your family values, what works for your life, deciding, yeah, I might have to wake up a little bit earlier, or I'll go to sleep a little bit later, or maybe I will find a babysitter for one day a week, or I will switch with another mom. There's so many ways, and we'll discuss loads of ways to do this. But if you are committed to finding a time to work on your business, because you are viewing this business as your larger why. Like you look at your family like, I want to give them the best life possible. And this is my why. And by the way, it is okay. And I feel like I have to write a whole post about this. It is okay to not have this big lofty why of, oh, I want to impact millions and millions of people. You don't have to want to impact millions of people. You can want to just impact your family's future, your life, and give your family the best life possible, which means having the choices that good finances and income gives you. So the first thing is deciding that you will, deciding that you will find the time and you're going to do what it takes to make that happen. The second thing is, I'm going to mention this a lot, is being proactive and not reactive, right? So this is when it comes to your children and your house, and this is also when it comes to your business activities. Knowing ahead of time what you need to do to make the money, knowing ahead of time what your money-generating activities are, knowing when you sit down to work what you're going to do and following into that, being proactive and not reactive, right? If you just sit down at your your desk or your laptop and you're like, okay, now I can work. And you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Should I catch up on this course that I was doing? Should I write a post for Instagram? Should I write an email? Should I do some prospecting for clients? Then you'll end up, by the time you figure out what to do, you'll end up having wasted half the time you dedicated to actually working. So you want to make sure that you have a plan. And the next thing, again, is having a plan. So you want to have a monthly plan even a quarterly plan, to be honest. I like to have a quarterly plan, even a yearly plan to an extent, although I will say things very often change. So I can plan my year out, but I plan my year out with the full knowledge that things may change throughout the year and I might have to pivot things depending, right? I didn't know I was going to get pregnant with my daughter. I was, We were trying, but I wasn't getting pregnant for a while. And I was like, I didn't know when it would happen. So I had to, I didn't take that into account. I didn't take COVID into account. I didn't take, I didn't take having my kids home with me for five months straight into account when I planned my 2020. So you have to obviously plan your year in advance, but within reason. But at the very least, having some sort of quarterly plan, a monthly plan, a weekly plan, a daily plan. And when I say daily plan, I don't mean mapped out to the second to the hour. That's not, it doesn't always work that way. But no, what do I, what what income goal do I want to hit this month? How am I going to do it? What am I going to sell? Weekly plan. What am I selling this week? What kind of content do I have to create to do that? Daily plan. Which money generating activities am I doing today? How am I serving my clients? How am I showing up for my business? How am I showing up for myself? If you don't have a plan ahead of time, you just won't really do anything. Because if you ever sat down, and and my clients say this all the time, like just sitting down and being overwhelmed by all the things, right? There are so many things you could do. There's so many things you could do in your business. Once you sit down to work, you need to know exactly what you need to do. And I'm actually putting together a resource called the CEO Mom Blueprint to help you with this. But I've also shared my daily non-negotiables and I plan like a CEO Mom training. And I'll share this later in this episode. And I will also drop the link below if you want to grab that training. It is really good. In order to make the plan, you need to know your primary revenue generators and priorities. All right. So number one is what are your goals? Okay. If you're working on growing a list in preparation for a launch, then you're going to be focusing on list building. If your goal is more clients, then the best thing you can figure out is what has brought you clients in the past and do more of that. If you, if your goal is, I don't know, delivering on a program that you sold, 
then know that's going to be your main focus and you have to keep your money generating activities like going, but maybe you'll scale back a little bit. It won't be as hardcore. Um, maybe you'll have some things on Evergreen or setting up a few ads to, to generate leads. So the important thing is that you should always be putting something out there. You should always be putting an offer out there on a regular basis. You should always be selling, always be mentioning your programs. And there's so much, again, there's so much, so many ways to sell your programs without really officially selling them, but just through mentioning them. But whatever sales activity you do, you're going to have to figure out, okay, what CTA do you want to add? What are you selling? What are you focusing on putting in front of people this week, today, whatever? If you are still not sure, you're like, I don't know what my re primary revenue generators are. I don't know what like what my money-making activities are because I'm maybe newer in business or what used to work isn't working for me. Do three things that you know will work for your business. So for example, do a follow send a follow-up email to a previous lead that never ended up signing with you or post in a group and do a value post in a group. Post about a free resource that you have and offer to send it to anyone who comments below. Give value on your page and invite people to DM you for the last most important tip. Do three things that will work for your business that has worked for you in the past. Like I have clients who are like, I know, like I just got most of my clients on LinkedIn. I know I got most of my clients from referrals. Great. You got most of your clients from referrals. Reach out to a bunch of your previous referral partners and let them know that you're open for more clients in case they know anyone who could use your help. Or they know that you got most of your clients in a certain Facebook group because you were showing up there and giving value. Great. Post in that Facebook group and show up and give value. So do two to three things that you know will work for your business and then try some new things every day. And you might just hit on something that will work even better for you. Now, this is so, this is a whole conversation in and of itself, sales activities and different types of sales activities. So that's, I'm not even gonna go into that, but the idea is knowing what you have to do to make money, which, and I'm gonna talk about the four priorities in a little bit, but I just wanna make sure that you, you're clear on that. Like before you do anything, it's money-making activities, then delivering to clients, and then other stuff, okay? When it comes to your home and your family, okay, and this is really important, you need to be realistic about your expectations or you will get frustrated. And I'll explain what I mean in a minute. Being realistic about your expectations, what can get done when your kids are awake? What can get done when your kids are around? How much attention they need? Because a newborn will need a lot less attention than a two-year-old who will need less attention than a teenager sometimes because sometimes a teenager has all kinds of existential angst to work through and they need you at that moment. I used to be able to work from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m. every night without being disturbed because my kids were all young and they went to bed by 7.30. Now I can't really do that. I can't, have, I can't just sit in my office every night and work because I have kids who come home. My son comes home every night at like around 8.30, my oldest son, and I want to be there for him when he comes home. So I don't want to be booking calls every single night. I don't want to be working every single evening. I'd rather, I want to get my work done during the day when my kids are in school. And I am not a morning person. That's easier said than done because I do not do my best work first thing in the morning. But either way, I know that these are my priorities. These are my expectations. I need to be realistic. Is this schedule that I'm currently or that I was doing or this type of offer that I was running, does this make sense for my life right now? The work I'm trying to do doesn't make sense with the fact that my kids are home on summer vacation. Maybe I need to do something else. Maybe I need to hire a babysitter. Maybe I need to decide that I have two hours a day to work and that is it. And then I will not touch my computer outside of that. Like you have to be very realistic about expectations especially when it comes to working when your kids are around you. That's why I try I try not to do that. Sometimes I do have to do it when they're on vacation. It can't be helped. But I try not to because I will inevitably 
be interrupted. And I don't like feeling frustrated that they're interrupting me. I don't like that feeling towards my children. And so I try not to not feel it. Right. So I know that I will be interrupted. It happens. So that is why it is so great, by the way, to have a community of CEO moms around you who get it and can encourage you when it feels like things are just so frustrating or when you're not sure what to do next. That is why having this community of CEO moms around you makes all the difference. I have just a few spots left in my Momentum Mini Mind to do exactly that sizzling sales strategy meeting CEO mom sisterhood to create your best Q4 ever as a CEO mom. And I've released a payment plan that starts at just $2.97 a month for just the Mini Mind without the retreat if travel doesn't work for you. It's 12 weeks of laser-focused coaching and masterminding to create a Q4 sales strategy using Black Friday that generates revenue, attracts high-ticket clients, and as a leveraged stream of income to your business so you can take one or 10 steps closer to your goal of true time freedom. It has three components. Number one is strategy. We're going to be going in-depth on the strategy of a cash injection that converts and keeps on giving, as well as turning that cash injection into longer-term passive sales and planning your offer suite for 2024 so you can start pre-selling people into your offers now. Number two is community. Not only do you get three calls a month plus a Telegram chat to support each other in between calls, we have an in-person retreat so I can share my personal momentum marketing plan with you, help you create your own, and get a mini brand photo shoot that you can use to snag the perfect photos for your new and upgraded offers and promotions, which goes for about $1,000 alone. And we'll also get relaxing downtime and roundtable masterminding with other CEO moms who actually get it. The in-person retreat option has only six more spots available, and it will be November 1st to 3rd in a gorgeous Airbnb in Miami, Florida. The last component is accountability and support. You get access to coaching with me on a daily basis in our Telegram chat, weekly feedback from me and our copy coach, Jen, on your offers, copy strategy, and more. Plus, we, of course, have our calls and we'll be giving you weekly check-ins to make sure you're on track with your unique goals and plans. Again, I've released a new payment plan for the mini mind if the retreat doesn't work for you, starting at just $2.97 a month, so you can start getting radical support and coaching for less than $300. Check it out at albendahan.com slash minimind. The link is in the show notes. And let's chat about how you can turn your business from a job into joy, along with a group of incredible mamas just like you. Now, back to the show. The first thing I want to talk about is the 150-10 method. So the 150-10 rule is based on how much mental focus or brain power a task takes. And this is how I decide what to do at which point in the day. So 100 means full brain power and focus. 50 means you need some brain power and focus. You can be interrupted. It's not going to throw you off. And 10 means very little brain power. I learned this from my coach, Julie, fully crediting her. She is really fantastic. And this was a really great, this was a really great lesson. So basically what I realized was that I needed to schedule these 100 tasks for when I knew I was not going to be interrupted. So some examples of 100 tasks were things like writing sales copy or going really hard on strategy or or recording this a podcast. And truth is, sometimes I get interrupted when I'm recording the podcast. Depends. But I, I try to get it down when my kids are not around. Right now, we're on vacation. My kids are around and they're watching Bluey. So that's a pretty good... I will try to set them up with something that will make sure that I won't be interrupted. 50 is 50 tasks could be things like writing writing posts, which don't take as much focus for me. But sometimes they do take more focus. It depends on the post. If it's a sales post, if I'm writing sales emails, that'll be more of 100 tasks. And 10 means things like, I don't know, scheduling social media content or putting together graphics or, or editing reels, things like that. Like I can do it while my kids are like jumping up and down all around me. Like it's not really a very big deal. It does not require huge amounts of mental focus. 
the times to work that I like to work when I really need to focus hard are before my kids wake up. That ha- that happens sometimes. I very rarely do this because I'm not a morning person. And I know this about myself. I've tried to be a morning person. The best I can do before my kids wake up is maybe a workout because that doesn't require my brain. But I am so tired in the morning. I do not do well brain-wise in the morning. So I know that's just not going to be something for me. Another opportunity is nap times. So obviously this depends. And I'm going to talk a little bit about like routines and stuff when we talk about different ages of kids. So if your kid has a reliable nap time, this is a great time to work. Even if they don't have a reliable nap time, this is still a great time to work. And again, if you have a plan, if you know what you need to get done as soon as you sit down at your laptop, then you don't have a problem because they fall asleep, you walk out, and instead of doing housework, which frankly can be done when your kids are around, you can wash dishes when your kids are around, you can do laundry when your kids are around. I really try very hard not to do housework when my kids are not home because I like to use the, the, the time as best as I possibly can. And I really want to make sure that I'm making the most of when I'm not going to be interrupted. Screen time. So I'll talk about this a little more as well. I use very intentional screen time. I generally try not to do screen time during the week. On vacation is a little bit different. They will have more than other times, but usually they get screen time once a week on Fridays. But during the summer, I had a certain time of day that it was like screen time. And I knew that whatever, between one and three, I was going to get stuff done. So that was a very, pretty reliable thing. I set them up with a movie that was about two hours long or be like, you can watch X amount of episodes or whatever it is you're watching. And then that would be my work time. After they're in bed. So this is more for me. I'm a night owl. I can work. I can work like sometimes I'll work till two o'clock in the morning. It's been harder for me to do this lately. Um, I think I'm just getting old. Whenever I say this, my friends all laugh at me. But it's definitely been harder for me to do this. But even so, even like working from 9 to 11 or whatever it is, 9 to midnight, that can work for you if you do well at night and you have time with your spouse earlier in the evening, then then you could definitely work after they're in bed or you don't even do it. You don't even need to do it every day. Like I know like in the summer, for example, I will work more in the evenings because my kids are home with me all day. It's going to it's going to change based on the time of year. It's going to change based on your schedule. And the last idea is getting childcare. There's so many ways you can do this. Have a designated work day or time that you have agreed on with your significant other where you won't be interrupted. So it's, I know that you have a day off on, you have three, two days off a week. And so one of, the, one of your days off, I want to be my day on and I want to work and not be interrupted. This may not work if you have a very little baby who needs to nurse or whatever. But for the most part, like you have your designated work day. You can enlist family members, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, sisters, whatever to have a weekly babysitting session. And you can either work in their house or you can work at home. You can sign up for a gym and send your kids to the childcare there. You could get a nanny if you want. I've never had a nanny, but I've heard people do. You can get a a weekly babysitter who comes once a week and and watches your kids. You can trade off with other work-at-home moms. So just maybe trade off days that like, especially if you have a baby at home and they're bored, they're not in daycare yet. Like training off, like almost like daily play dates where like Monday and Wednesday they're at you and Tuesday and Thursday they're at her. And um, you could even do some sort of round robin thing. And then you got you get to get some work done either in their house or at home, depending on how comfortable your child is being somewhere without you. So there's and there's a lot of options for child care. Again, not everyone has family around that can help take care of their kids. I'm I, I was very lucky for a very long time. I did have siblings. My mom lives across the street from me. I did get help sometimes. But for the, at this point, my parents are very busy. My Most of my siblings are married. I have one brother still at home and he works all afternoon and evening. So I, I don't really have that anymore to depend on. But now I do have older kids that I can depend on a little more too to watch my younger ones. So again, you can 
bribe. You can organize your schedule. You could be like, okay, you watch them. You bring bring this little child to the park for an hour and then you can go get ice cream or something or whatever. There's so many ways. And sometimes you're like, just take them to the park and there's no ice cream and this is just part of being part of a family. And I did it. You can do it. It's fine. And they're usually great. Like my daughter adores her older brothers like so very much that they kind of grumble sometimes. But for the most part, they're like, they're okay. Oh, fine. I'll take you. And and she's so happy that it just rewarded. It gives them like that little like hit of uh, of dopamine because <laughs> she's when she hugs them and kisses them. So again, childcare can be in many different forms. So two rules before we get to, I'm going to talk about how to get stuff done at different kids' ages because I think this is really important <laughs> because things that may work have worked for you when you were when you had a baby may not work when you had a toddler and then may not work when you have older kids. So I wanted to share these these tips and like little hacks that I have personally learned. Two rules that I learned from my mom about kids. My mother is brilliant. She is a, she is a, she's amazing. I, I don't even know what to say. I wish I could be as good a mom as her. It probably won't ever happen, but I try. I work towards it. And one of the two rules that I learned from her and that I've absorbed from her over time is the first one is be proactive. Now this applies to your business, right? Know what you have to get done before you actually sit down to get it done but also when it comes to your children. And what I mean by be proactive is don't wait until they're coming to you whining about being bored. Occupy them before they get bored. And I don't mean you should be occupying them all the time and coming up with a new activity every five seconds because that's not how life works. But if inevitably people are going to start fighting, things are going to happen, give them stuff to do, have a plan for the day, have a plan for the next couple of hours, like be proactive. Decide ahead of time what's going to happen. Set expectations for them, right? Okay, first we're going to do, you guys are all going to go to the park together. And then when you come back, we're going to have lunch. And then um, we're going to have quiet, you guys are going to have some quiet reading time. And then we get two hours of screen time together. Like that way they know, they're not going to be like, ooh, can we watch, can we watch, can we watch? I know my kids are like, literally, if I do not set these expectations ahead of time, that's what they'll do. They'll just nag me and nag me unless I have very specific boundaries in place. So let them know ahead of time what the boundaries are. Let them know what the schedule looks like. You can even have it up on a paper or a whiteboard or something. But let them know before. Occupy them before they get bored. Give them some attention. I, also, I call this kind of the, the attention baking method. Attention baking. Attention banking method. When basically, whether you're going to have to work, so you give your kids some extra attention for 10, 20, 30 minutes before you sit down to work. And then very often they'll have their fill of like attention from me. They'll be like, okay, fine, mom, just let me just go do my own thing. You're like, okay, great. And then you go off to work and then they go off to do their thing because their attention bucket, so so to speak, has been filled. Give them that attention intentionally and wait till they pull away first and then you go off and do your thing. The second rule I learned from my mom is when you say something, mean it. I used to be so much better at this than I am now, but for the most part, I would say 80% of the time, I'm still pretty good at it. But like when you say there is no screen time until this happens, then there's no screen time until this happens. When you say we don't eat these kinds of snacks in the house, these snacks are only for trips, then those are those snacks are only for trips and that is it, right? When you say if I get interrupted in the next 15 minutes because I'm speaking to a client, then we're going to have to cut the park time short by 15 minutes, then you have to keep to it. Your kids need to know that when you say something that you mean it and that is literally probably the entire foundation of parenting in, in, in one sentence. When you say something, you have to mean it, so be very careful when you do say something. Don't make empty threats because because they will learn and then threats won't even work because they'll be like, yeah, we'll just wheedle around her next time. And this is from experience, okay? I'm not saying this like just out of theory. This is from personal experience. So 
be proactive, occupy them before they get bored, give them attention before they beg for attention. And when you say something, mean it. So, but the next thing I want to talk about is how to get stuff done when you have different kids of different ages. This is going to be a little bit of a longer podcast episode, I think, because this is very meaty. Make sure to take notes. I should have said this at the beginning, but take notes because you're going you're gonna to really like this. All right. So if you have a baby, if you have a baby in the baby stage and you're trying to figure out how to get work done, the first thing you want to do is make sure that they are safe and contained. Okay? That they are safe and contained at all times, whatever that means for you, whatever that means for them. So you can have them in a swing. You can have them on your lap. You can have them in, in, a, in a playpen. Whatever that is, make sure that they are just, that they are safe in whatever capacity. Also, there are those baby gates that like are on the floor. So like you can just put it around them. My, my little brother, he was so cute. He used to just, like, he's just push it around the house. <laughs> it was really funny. He was like, my mom like walked out of the room for a second. He would just like, go after her pushing that gate. But at least nothing dangerous could get into that gate. And he was still pretty safe. But that baby gate idea works as well. I like to, especially with like newborns or like smaller babies that aren't really crawling. So I'll put them like on the floor or even in a pack and play. If they're like maybe rolling over or something, I'm not really sure. I want to make sure that they're safe. I'll put them in a pack and play with a bunch of toys and I'll just sit next to the pack and play and look through the mesh. Or I just have them on the floor next to me and I would sit on the floor. Another thing is really great and a really great idea is to is to work while they're eating in the high chair. So I know, give my give my babies like a pile of Cheerios. It takes them ages to eat a pile of Cheerios. Like you could just sit there at the kitchen table and get some of your 50 tasks done, which means again, you can be interrupted. They don't require 100% focus while they're eating. Cause like, why not? Like, why not use, and again, you don't have to do this for all of your meals. If you like to spend time with them and have your meals together and relax together and have lunch. I'm not saying that, but you could have a mid-morning snack time, which is this is where you pick up and eat your Cheerios one by one. And this is where I sit and get half an hour of work done. Another really good thing to have is a routine. I'm very, I'm a big proponent of routines for babies and little kids. And that's why I found, I used to find newborns so much harder. I still do to an extent, but I think I, I appreciate them more now because now I know what comes after, which is just teenagers. And I'm like, you know what? Newborns in comparison, piece of cake. They're not a piece of cake, but in comparison, I would say in comparison to teenagers, they probably are. Have a routine basically when they're going to be sleeping. And again, you're not going to know this like to the minute every single day. But if you know that they have a morning nap around 10 o'clock and they have an afternoon nap around 2 o'clock for about an hour and a half each, you can generally, not every single time, every day is different. Sometimes they'll be overtired, sometimes they'll be undertired. But if you have a decent routine, you can plan ahead. You can plan ahead and make sure that you are getting your work in during those nap times. So those are babies. Toddlers, okay, toddler stage. That This is probably like the the toughest time in a way to try to get stuff done because they're running around. They are not, they, it's very hard to contain them. And they don't really understand the concept of in a minute, I'll be there soon. Mommy's doing something, can't be interrupted. They just don't get it. I would love to say school age children do, but I would, but that's not true. My school age children will sometimes, I'll be like, do you even understand English? Like I literally said, give me five minutes. It's been exactly five seconds. But either way, with toddlers, again, the being proactive rather than reactive is huge. It's probably the best tip I can give you for this. Occupying them before they get into destruction and bored mode. Have a routine for them like the babies. Again, toddlers still generally take naps. So know their nap time and have a pre-nap time routine so they get into the zone and make sure that like you are sticking to it. And the more you stick to it, the more they will stick to it. And obviously you can't measure it by the second 
I, I did try to do that. I, I had my oldest son scheduled down like to the minute. It was a joke. It was funny because he actually kept to it pretty decently, which was like really interesting. But either way, you want to make sure that you want to make sure that you do have some sort of routine and know when they're going to be sleeping. So again, you can plan ahead, plan um, your activities ahead of time, plan what toys you're going to play with. You're going to maybe, maybe you plan to do some park time in the morning to, to tire them out so that they can they can get you can get some work done when they're make sure they, they go down for a good nap. Maybe you want to do park time in the afternoon for your child. What works best for them? You know what they're most like. Some kids get really revved up by the park and then they're not going to fall asleep for a nap. It's really up to you to decide how you're going to run that. But again, having your routine really helps you be able to plan ahead when it comes to your work time. You want to plan acti- whatever activities you're going to do. Plan downtime if they don't take a nap. Have a like, kind of like a relaxing, like reading book time and just like sitting and reading. And maybe you read some to them and then you say, okay, now it's time for mommy to read her own stuff or do her work. And you, t- you do your work, give them some coloring, but like some quiet time as well because kids really need that. And I'm not going to tell you not to do screen time with children because let's be real. We live in this world. It's 2023. Toddlers do get screen time. I would say try to not give them too much. And I say this as my daughter is watching Bluey for the past hour and a half, but again, it's vacation. So overall, on a regular basis, try not to give them too much, but make it strategic. Again, do it when you know that you will be most set up like mentally to work. So schedule your your kid's screen time when you know, okay, great, they'll be mesmerized and I can sit next to them quietly tapping away on my computer and maybe put my headphones in but I so I can keep an eye on them and also get some work done. When it comes to school-aged children, okay, now this is getting actually really, this is more fun in a way, and I would say school-aged up to teenage. So this is another whole set of, uh, I guess you want to call it challenges, because now you're just dealing with like attitudes. And and like, it's very interesting. Everyone has their own like preferences of like different ages of like kids that they enjoy you know, that they enjoy. Like some people are like, oh my God, I love newborn stage. Oh my God, I love my friend Ashley was like, I love teenagers. I love teenage stage. My, I love having teenage boys. It's so fun. We joke around. We're sarcastic with each other. It's, it's great. So everyone has their own like level of preference. I will say having school-aged children is really great because they're capable of so much more. They understand things like mommy's working now. I'll be out in an hour. But again, same with the toddlers. Be proactive rather than reactive. Have plans for the day. Like I said before, have plans for whatever needs to get done, have routines. It is worth teaching them how to do chores. I'm a big proponent of doing chores. My kids all wash dishes. They can all, almost all of them, fold their own laundry, put it away. They can clean bathrooms. They can sweep the floors. They can wash the floors. They are all capable of this, except for my daughter. Obviously, she's three. But my 13-year-old, 12-year-old, 10-year-old, and 7-year-old can all do that. All right. My seven-year-old just started washing dishes yesterday. So it was a big deal. It was like, oh, you have finally graduated into this amazing rotation. My other boys are so happy and he's, oh my God. But he did a pretty good job. They are very capable. It does take some more time up front to get them into the habit, to teach them how to do it, but it is worth it in the long run. My friend Ashley Bufa, like who I mentioned earlier, her philosophy is everybody works and then everybody rests. So it's not like moms weren't running around working and the kids are sitting down. Everyone works together and then everyone has a chance to rest. Again, strategic screen time with the kids these ages. I use it as rewards and specific times of the day or week and trying not to work while they're around. But sometimes it can't really be helped, um, especially during vacation time. So I try not to work when they're around only because they're out most of the day. So I really want to be, I want to be with them when they are home. When you have multiple kids, okay, you can sense a theme here. I'm, again, and I'm not perfect. And we do not always have the perfect routines and everyone's falling in line exactly. But having some basic ideas of when they come home, what happens? 
when they, what time do we start doing showers and baths? What time do people generally try to go to bed? I know I try to get my daughter into bed between 6.30 and 7. My next kids, my 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 seven-year-old and almost 10-year-old, I'll put them to bed between 7.30 to 8.30. And then my older boys will just stay up and I try to get them to bed. It doesn't always happen. Especially my oldest son, I will gently suggest. I'll probably shove them, you know, like, not shove them, but be like, shoot them off the bed at 10.30. I'll be like, it's so late. You have to go to bed now. And they'll just go to the room and read or whatever. Okay, I'm cracking up. I had to take a break because my daughter came to me and needed to be brought to the bathroom. Um, and I just told her that her older brother is going to take her to the park. And she just said, I'm going to take myself to the park. I was like, you are three. You are absolutely not. But okay, so back to what we were talking about. Multiple kids of different ages. Again, routines. Have a plan and make sure that they know it. Again, especially in the summer, I'll be like, this is our summer schedule. This is what we're doing. Now it's activity time. Now it's outside time. Now it's pool time. Now it's screen time. Now it's reading time, whatever. They they know it because it's up. They can all read except for my daughter again. So like they, they know what's happening when. And they also know when mommy's working. That's a really good thing to do because it just takes it out of your hands. They don't have to ask you what's happening now. What are we doing? They could just check the calendar or check the paper and they know. The cool thing about having multiple kids of different ages is, as was just demonstrated, they can take care of each other to some degree. And this is such a controversial controversial subject because people are like, you can't outsource your parenting. You can't, like, it's not right to have children just to turn them into slaves. No, you don't outsource your parenting. But we are all family. We all take care of each other. I take care of my kids. I took care of my older kids when they were little. They could take care of their younger siblings. They are not wholly responsible for them, but... They absolutely can take their little sister to the park. Take uh, Even my 10-year-old or even my 7-year-old, asking them to take a 3-year-old to the park is very normal here in Israel. And it really does create a feeling of everyone is responsible for each other. And for context, the park is literally 5 feet away from my front door. Okay, just got interrupted again. Like I was saying, asking your child to take your other child to the park, not a big deal. And to look after them for a little bit, not a big deal. My daughter requests her older brothers give her baths, which sometimes I let, sometimes I don't. But like, again, it makes them feel like they're all responsible for each other. I was the oldest. I was. I am the oldest in my family. And I felt like a little bit of a second mommy to my youngest brother. And he still calls me that sometimes as a joke. But it's not like in a bad way. I used to put him to bed every night, like from when I was when I was a teenager until I got married. <laughs> I remember like putting him to bed, like singing. We had a special, I had a special song I would sing to him every night. And I remember singing it to him the last night before I left and moved to England after I got married. And I was crying and he was crying and we were all crying. It was very, It's a very special memory for me, okay? I do not think that kids, like, at all should be made, like, completely responsible for for raising their younger siblings. But giving them reasonable responsibilities as far as taking care of each other, I think, is only going to turn them into better people better parents in the future. My my goal with my sons is that I'm very ambitious. So my goal with my sons is really that my daughter-in-laws call me one day to thank me for what amazing husbands they are. That's my, that's what I like to aim high. But either way, I do want them to know that everyone does stuff at home. Everyone washes dishes. Everyone does laundry. Everyone takes care of babies. Everyone, you know, helps each other. That is how life is. We're a family. We're a team. And I'm very firm on that. Having multiple kids, it's a little more juggling because you're juggling a multiple amount of like different types of needs right toddlers need more like physical have more physical needs and like teenagers have more emotional needs and then the ones in between have everything in between but it also could be very rewarding so the last thing i want to share is the weekly plan and my non-negotiables 
here is a sample weekly plan that I shared. I shared this in my Summer Like a Boss workshop a couple of years. I think it was last summer. For, for example, let's say you don't have a lot of time to work. So here is like a like very low-grade business marketing schedule, so to speak, when it comes to putting yourself out there and doing your money-making activities. So beginning of the week on a Sunday or Saturday, two hours of planning and creating your content pieces. And Sunday night, Netflix and chill and schedule it all out. Okay, you can do this very easily. There are so many scheduling platforms. You can do it directly in the apps for a lot of most apps. Literally spend two hours writing your content. It could take you more. It could take you less depending on how much experience you have. I like to do this if you if I can. I was not able to do this when I had a baby. I had to just be like, okay, every day I'm going to sit down and the first thing I do is write, write a piece of content. But I already knew what I was going to be writing about because I did plan it at the beginning of the week. I knew what I was going to be talking about that week. Again, it could, the two hours can be on one day of the week or it could be spread out throughout the rest of the week. And then daily, I had four non-negotiables. Number one is mindset. So 15 minutes or so of mindset work, whether it's journaling, um, affirmations, breath work, meditation, just brain dumping everything, writing out my ideal life. Whatever that is, 15 minutes of mindset, it's possible, I promise. Post your content, which takes about two minutes, maybe 10 minutes if you're like making it into a reel and you're editing it or whatever. Connect with new people and engage with their posts, which should take about 15 minutes. Nurture your existing community and warmer people. That could mean sending an email or, or sending follow-up emails or creating nurture content or whatever it is. And sending a follow-up DM to someone you're having a conversation with. That should take another about 15 minutes and then engaging on your posts for another 15 minutes, answering comments, answering questions, thanking people for commenting or whatever it is. And other than that, I focus on my daily theme days, whether that was content creation, curriculum creation, client delivery, whatever. If you are a service provider, it's going to be more heavily on client delivery. If it's going to, if you're a course creator, it's going to be more heavily on curriculum creation. Again, this is not the only way to do things. This is an example to show you that you can run your business in a couple hours a day. You really can. Now, the actual client work itself may take longer, and that stuff you have to shove in. It really depends on what you're doing and how you're doing it. But when it comes down to it, marketing your business could take you an hour a day at most with everything included, the mindset, the, the, the engagement, the nurture, all that kind of stuff, all together about an hour a day. That's not so, that's not so bad. And that hour day does not need to be all together. It could be spread out throughout the day as long as you get those things done. So I've given you a lot to think about, a lot to work with here. So if there's only one thing you take away today, it's that it can be challenging to find time as a CEO mom to get stuff done, but it is possible. And the way you do it is going to change at different points in your life and motherhood journey. And having that village around you who gets you and, and is able to really just be there for you and come up with creative ideas and support you is, is so important. I cannot even, I cannot underestimate the value of the right community. And if you are looking for that village, the Momentum Mini Mind is the best place to do it. We just got started. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, we just got started and you can still hop in. We have really amazing extended payment plans. I'm probably going to be keeping it open till the end of this week. And then that's it. It's 12 weeks of laser-focused coaching and masterminding to create a Q4 sales strategy using Black Friday that will generate revenue, attract high-ticket clients, and adds a leveraged stream of income to your business so you can take one or 10 steps closer to your goal of true time freedom. We also have an in-person retreat that includes a mini branding photo shoot, plenty of masterminding and nourishment. And I am just so excited for this mini mind. The women in there are incredible. And we have a bunch of amazing payment options based on whether you'll be attending the retreat or not, starting at $2.97 a month. 
So there's literally no reason not to get the support that you desire and that you need and that you crave in your business. I want to be there for you. I want you to join us and I cannot wait to hear what you thought of this episode. Let me know if any of these things landed with you, what piece of advice helped you the most, and how you're planning to carve out more time in your schedule to move your business forward to create that freedom and and joy and beautiful life for your family. Have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll talk to you next time. I can't thank you enough for listening to Raising Your Business. I hope this episode has inspired you to take another step towards building a business and life that you love and growing your income in a way that works for you and your family. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review and let's connect on Instagram. Screenshot and share it on Instagram stories